0: Hello and welcome to Gender Euphoria, the podcast. I'm your host Nicholas Shannon Savard. My pronouns are they, them, and theirs. And today I'll be chatting with playwright and performer Dylan Iruegas about two productions of his play, The Brunch Crowd. We talk about what a slice of life kitchen sink play full of trans of color characters looks like, and what kind of intervention that makes in the theatrical landscape. We talk trans joy and queer friendship. We talk expansive approaches to casting trans and non-binary characters and how identity-based casting might open up dialogue and create space for a much wider range of faces and experiences to be seen on stage. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I hope you do too. Dylan Yeruegas whose pronouns are he, him, or él, si hablas espanol, is a queer-trans mixed cojohuitacan theater maker from Central Texas who holds both a BFA in theater and a BA in Spanish from Texas State University. He is a company member of the Vortex Repertory Theater and has collaborated with Austin Scottish Rite Theater, Capital T Theater, Generic Ensemble Company, Ground Floor Theater, the Indigenous Cultures Institute, and Teatro Vivo. Recently, he was part of Company One Theater's Season 21 Play Lab cohort. He also facilitates workshops for trans and gender expansive performers through a series of meditative and movement-based exercises in order to illuminate the joyful and fulfilling potential that performance holds for those of us from these historically marginalized experiences. This work with collaborator Dr. Jesse O'Rear has been seen at the University of Texas at Austin, and at the 2019 Transgender Spectrum Conference at Washington University in St. Louis. And just recently, Dylan started a new role as assistant director of the Broadway Green Alliance in New York City. Gender euphoria is bliss. Freedom to experience masculinity, femininity, and everything in between
1: without any
0: other thought that my own pleasure. Gender
1: euphoria is opening the door to your body
0: and being home.
1: Mm. Unabashed bliss.
0: You can feel it. You can can feel the relief. Feel safe. And the sense of validation and actualization. Or sometimes it means...
1: Being confident in who you are. But also to see
0: yourself reflected. Or maybe not, but being excited to find out. Great. My guest for this episode is playwright, performer, advocate, director, Dylan Irwegas. Today we're going to be talking about his most recent play, The Brunch Crowd. Uh, So, Dylan, could you tell us a little bit about the play itself?
1: Yeah. Um I wrote a play called The Brunch Crowd, and it's about um four QT BIPOC friends um in uh the mid to late gentrifying uh, stages of Austin, Texas, just being queer, being being gay as hell. Um, <laughs> uh yeah, it was just like really an expression of um trans joy and relationship and um just, yeah, us trying to, trying to show some of that, um, you know, those like, yeah, kitchen sink dramas, (laughs) you know, um, that, that we, we have come to love and come to see, but like, you know, making sure that it has, has people who look like me and like my friend group, um, you know, not just showing trans pain or like, the token trans person in the room that has nothing to do with the story. It's like, nope. This is this is gonna highlight it, gonna highlight. It. Yeah, just our 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 fun fun times that we have.
0: <laughs> being gay as hell, exactly. Just being gay as hell, and it's fantastic. <laughs> so you touched on it a little bit, but what inspired you to put this particular set of characters on stage? Yeah. Yeah, it's me and my friend group, Um, pretty much like I,
1: these are, you know, I definitely injected myself a little bit into um, some of these characters, Um, maybe a couple more specifically. But um, yeah, like these are similar conversations that I've had with my friends um, before, just, you know, especially at brunch, (laughs) you know, just, uh, you know, too many mimosas, all the pictures.
0: you know, just all of us having fun and being cute. And I like it. Um, can you tell me a little bit about some of the characters that we see in this play? It's mm-hmm. I saw it back in March when it was on Trans Theater Fest.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was relatively short then, but we definitely got a sense of, like, these strong characters. And it's a very ensemble show. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. It's a...
1: Yeah, it's only a ten minute right now, um, but I'm trying to um, elaborate it, extend it a little bit into maybe a full length. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, character wise, uh, so there's Dallas, um, who's a trans man. Uh, he's a painter, um, very much kind of like the quiet, stoic uh, kind of person. But he, I has a a very dry wit about him, <laughs> uh kind of unassuming. I I think I at one point I, I call him a Capricorn stellium for and for those of you who don't know, it's um when you have a stellium is when you have more than like two or three um uh astrological signs in your chart. Um so yes Capricorn stellium very much a <laughs> stereotypical stoic Capricorn not really with feeling but like they're funny as hell go figure. <laughs> um And then we have uh, his partner, Eric, slash uh, La Brujaha, which is amazing. Um, I don't think I will ever stop laughing at that pun that I made. Um, And please feel free to use that as a drag name. Um, Any of you (laughs) Spanish-speaking folks, I think it's hilarious. Uh, But yeah, so Eric is um, Dallas's partner. Um, Works as a... Uh, is advocacy person by day um, and is a drag performer by night, and uses their theater degree to, yeah, have fun with some some drag shows, um, yeah. And during during the course of the play, um, we do find out that uh, Eric is wanting to propose to Dallas, mm-hmm. uh, but Dallas is being you know very very typical. Sardonic kind of person and is like, nah, I'm not getting married. Like marriage is for you know the patriarchy and is antiquated and I hate it. <laughs> um but yeah, so we find out that um in in through the course of the play that yeah, Eric wants to propose, and that's the reason why Brunch is gathering today. Um and he's has this wonderful little moment with um their friend Flor. Um, who is a uh trans-Afro-Latina uh actress. So apparently she can't really make it to a lot of these brunches, so it's like a really big, big deal that she was able to make this, probably because of the promise of an engagement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah, they have also have like a cute little a cute little moment of like you know, him being like very discouraged of, of not wanting to. Uh, proposed at that time, and her just being like, you know, he—it's fine. He loves you, like just that kind of like reassurance, mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of big sisterly love <laughs> that they kind of have. Um, yeah, and then the last person who is uh, a part of this ensemble is Q. Um, they're a aspiring influencer, uh, you know, YouTuber, Instagrammer, Snapchatter, all all the social media's Maven kind of stereotypes that they have Um, and we get a little taste of that um, at the beginning um, where they're talking about um, Frozen (laughs) and how um, Frozen uh, Elsa's magical powers are just like a magical manifestation of depression and anxiety and kind of goes into a little spiel about that um, which I have actually had. I have had that conversation many, many a time to much of my friends' children. Um, <laughs> yeah, it mirrors so life and all that. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's the kind of the the course of the characters, and um, in, especially in this uh, version of the play. I'm, and as I'm kind of building that out. Maybe going to insert one or two more characters. Definitely mentioning other people um, Mm -hmm. as it is. I'm kind of going back and forth between um, this one character that Q's involved with that we find out, like, they break up during the course of the show. You know, just kind of debating on if actually, you know, serves the purpose of the play or if it's just, uh,
0: you know, dumb white girl. Who knows? Who knows? (laughs) Cool, Uh, so like I said earlier, I got a chance to see this as part of the Trans Theater Fest, which happened virtually back in March through University of Wisconsin-Madison, Correct. if I'm remembering correctly. Mm -hmm. Um, Took a pause in dissertation writing to say, this is research. (laughs) I love it, that's perfect. This is research. (laughs) I get to spend a weekend watching trans plays over YouTube. And it was just vibrant and fun, uh, which we just don't get to see a lot in trans stories that make it to the stage or the screen. Mm -hmm. It was so refreshing just to have trans friends hanging out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's, you
1: know, we still see, unfortunately, a lot of, if we do have trans stories and they're like, either the person was like oh right we have trans people so maybe we should just like put this trans person in the background and they're just like there as like eye candy or something um (laughs) you know it's it's very simple and basic like that um or it's if we do have like a trans centered story then unfortunately it's like this you know tragic you know, detailing of their lives, which like, Mm -hmm. yes, 100% are the the stories that also need to be heard. Like, that's why we have, you know, Boys Don't Cry, you know, because it's very important to know that, you know, that Brandon Tina's life meant something and that, you know, we we have come so far in representation and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. But I'm tired of the trans people getting killed or like having, you know, their parents kick them out or having like all these other things happen to them, you know, that like is like all of these struggles that they go through so that we can make them empathetic Mm -hmm. for the, you know, cis white male gaze of what theater slash TV and film are. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I was tired of that. I was like, no, like. Fuck that! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we need some joy. We need we need to have these people like we, like we. One of the taglines that I have for the show when I um, promote it is like, yeah, we don't just like sit around talking about the surgery. Like yes, <laughs> you know, like sometimes yes we do talk about surgeries and stuff like that or like like you know and help each other out through that, but that's not like the center of what our experiences as trans people are so like why do we always center that and yeah so the brunch crowd that's that's just you know a silly thing of what i'm trying to do
0: trans folks having
1: brunch <laughs> exactly you know finagling huge platters of fruit
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> also trans stories Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) We do that sometimes too.
1: We sure do. And we love our our Selena moments, you know.
0: (laughs) So for the Trans Theater Fest, was that the premiere of this script? It was, yes. (laughs) Very cool. Cool. How did you go about or did the production team go about Putting a cast together for the show, yeah. Um, there was a
1: you know nationwide call um, since it was going to be it was all virtual. Mm-hmm. So you know I used some of my um, connects and you know Facebook groups and stuff like that that we're doing um, to kind of like get everybody to to audition. Um, unfortunately, you know, since it was um, a, a university led slash student led um festival you know there wasn't any any kind of like pay guarantee uh, for the actors so you know uh, especially with our um our our population we do you know like to get paid because we don't get paid much um reasonable <laughs> exactly you know reasonable. that is that is a thing um so you know that that definitely um narrowed narrowed the pool down a lot but um Yeah, thankfully, we, you know, I, I, in my, in the script, I have a very detailed um, description of the characters, Mm -hmm. um, especially when it comes to identity-based descriptions. So, uh, you know, I, I, I did have some involvement with the casting, um, like one of my good friends, uh, shout out to Krista Gonzalez, played Flor, and she was one uh, person that I asked to do it. Um, uh, but yeah, everybody else was was you know responded to a casting call and was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, and the uh, the director, they, the, yeah, they they chose everybody ran them by me and were like, okay, cool, let's let's do the thing. Um, yeah, which was amazing and cool. And you know, it was hard. It was hard. Like I think um, Florida was my hardest one um mm-hmm. because you know she is a afro-latina trans woman and she's l- relatively actually based on my friend krista um <laughs> a lot of a lot there's a lot of similarities and stuff so like when i got her to to play that i was like yes please <laughs> and thank you <laughs> this is how the words were meant to be spoken um <laughs> Oh, but yeah, so like it was, it was, it, yeah, it was a little bit hard to kind of like find everybody to put the bill, but I, you know, that was something that was very important to me and to the director, mm-hmm. um, to be able to to have these power people embodied in in specific ways, um, but then I actually so the Trans Theater Fest was its premiere, um, but then it also had a run with the Boston Theater Marathon, um, and that was with uh, Sparkhaven Theater um, was mm-hmm. the one who produced that and uh when i sat down with their director at spark from Sparkhaven, uh i talked you know we talked a little bit about, about like, casting and stuff like that and i was like yeah like i love love the cast like trans theater fest amazing cast and then went to you know i do have very like you know there are two characters who are non-binary mm-hmm. and i was like let's you know and i was like these are like the if if we want to talk in, like, you know, very specific terms, of like, you know, this person was AFAB, this person was AMAB, um, or it could be coded as such, you know, in these terms, it was like, we can flip that on their head, like, they don't have to be the same people.
0: All right, I'm going to put my teacher hat on for just a second to define a couple of terms. So AFAB and AMAB are common acronyms the trans community uses to talk about bodies, AMAB or AMAB stands for assigned male at birth, AFAB, or AFAB, is assigned female at birth. They tend to be particularly useful for non-binary people. Although our current gender identities and expressions may exist in between or beyond or outside of the male-female binary, We find it useful to use the terms AMAB and AFAB when we are referring specifically to experiences related to the ways in which our bodies are interpreted by the medical field, the legal system, um, and other heteronormative social codes. I want to highlight here that this understanding and framing of the trans and non-binary body is not always relevant to every story— As Dylan was just saying, his play has much more to do with queer friendship than bodies specifically. At the same time, I want to call back to the conversation I had with Joshua Bastion Cole last week about non-binary visibility in the media and what trans stories make it to the mainstream. If most of the stories revolve around gender dysphoria, the character's and the actor's body— and the distress they feel because of it, matters a lot within the narrative. And that makes it difficult to imagine a trans experience where the body is not relevant. On top of that, when the only representations of non-binary identity that are available to us are almost exclusively white, thin, under 25, and existing very much as an in-between a man and a woman, rather than existing outside of that binary entirely, that can really limit a director's imagination of what non-binary could look like on stage. Okay, back to Dylan on how we can imagine beyond those very limited boxes. Like they they can look drastically different
1: and their identities could be with it their identity within non-binary be drastically different. And like that's one of the things I love about the the openness and the mm-hmm. um the malleability of those those characters is like yes like I do have very specifics that they have to be non-binary, but there's not one way that non binary looks. So let's have fun with it. You know. And then also like even within um like race and stuff like I do I do have like relative specifics of like, you know, uh Flor has to be um Afro Latina. And it's, and it's very much written, like the way that I write because it's my culture and mm-hmm. heritage is like very Mexican centered. Um, so like, obviously you could have any Afro-Latina play it, but like if they know like the Mexican idioms and stuff like that, they can mm-hmm. insert that a lot easier. Um, and then like with um, Q, like i very much specified that they have to be either black or Afro-Latino. But then with uh, Dallas, I was like, I don't care what race he is, as long as he's a person of color. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care how you identify, you have to be a person of color. Go, have fun. <laughs> um, so yeah, like it's I, like finding those like very specifics uh, within within the identity, but then also finding the malleable parts. That was like super, super important to me. And it was like really cool to see um, the differences between the two casts uh, with Trans Theater Fest and the Boston Theater Marathon.
0: It's cool that you've been able to be, as the playwright, actually involved in the casting process and working with the director, I think, should this play get off the ground and go into the world? What kinds of conversations do you hope that directors, casting agents, if it gets really, really big, <laughs> are oh, having around putting people into this show? Mm-hmm.
1: Ooh, um, I think it's, like, kind of a, a step beyond of where we are currently mm-hmm. um, when it comes to how we think about casting within uh, identity-based casting. Um, Because right now we're, like, very much kind of, I, I don't want to say stuck, but, like, you know, if I, like, say say I have the rule of floor, She's a Afro-Latina trans woman. Mm-hmm. There is one way that I guarantee you that they see a black trans woman
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's what it has to be um i'm thinking i i'm thinking very much like it if they were out, but they're not but like laverne cox or um janet mock something like that uh which is like not wrong like you could easily cast them in into that into that role and that would be amazing and wonderful and perfect um
0: but I'm also but they would like, be you know, missing that specificity.
1: Exactly, that's it's like do it. Exactly, yeah. So it's like I would love to have someone like who is Latina, even more specifically, who is Afro-Mexicana um, into that role because it's just like a little bit more specific. Um, and and so like you know casting calls and casting directors, I'm sure, would be like hyper focused onto that one. And like that's the one that we have to make sure we get right. And then if we get to like Q. Who's like? All right, we gotta we gotta get a black person in here, which is yes, as you should, mm-hmm. because that's the role. Um, but then I put non-binary there, and then I'm sure like minds would explode um, because you put non-binary, and like right now where we are, it's you know fem. You know fem is non-binary. That's what that means. No matter who the who the person is embodying it, like, they have to look fem.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which again is also not wrong. Like, absolutely should be a femme person in the role. If they're non-binary, who cares? <laughs> like, put them in there. But, you know, as we've as I we've said, like, non-binary looks so many different ways. So, like, how is that gonna look? How could that look on this one person? And they can still be an influencer type. They can still mm-hmm. have that kind of bravado. Um, I think the character description I say, um, you know, it's probably a Leo, but their favorite animal is a peacock. Like that's a, that's a very, very specific type of person that is so, so much more important than, oh, this person's
0: non-binary. And that's going to show up so much more in just how they carry themselves and mm -hmm. deliver the lines than just mm -hmm. straight up how they look.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so it's just like, yeah, like I'm I, I think that a lot of the conversations that you know directors and casting directors will need to have, or I would hope to have, they would they would have a little bit of the the word that's coming to mind right now is evolved, um, you know, a kind of an evolved sense of gender identity specifically, and then also maybe a, a better understanding of uh, racial identity mm. and then also colorism and, like, racial optics, you know, uh, because those can also be so many things, so many different things, like, you know, because, like, for me, like, you can look at me, and you can maybe perceive me in one way, but also, like, some people don't know that I'm mixed race, some people don't know that, like, like, that I have, like, Indigenous heritage and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. um, if they've not, like, been exposed to that, so, like, you know, if you put me in a certain specific role, like that may be one thing, but like not knowing that I can inhabit all of these other roles because those are also my agent-based mm-hmm. um, like characters that I can portray. Um, so I'm like hoping that we can kind of like get into more of, oh, well, this has to be a black person. So we're gonna get this one person and that's it. Or like we have to get, you know, uh, when I say person of color, it's like, well, which person of color do I get? And I was like, no, baby, that's where you choose. You just choose whichever one you want to do. And like kind of like expand that and ex- like further and further and further instead of trying to pigeonhole to get it quote unquote right. Because mm. that that's where this like roundabout <laughs> thinking is <was> kind of <laughs> going to is like the quote unquote trying to get it right. Um, which when you have certain characters, they don't have to be perfect they don't have to be right they can like have especially when it when it when you're thinking of theater as a visual medium like it's you have to like take into consider like who you see and then breaking the audience's perception of what that person is Mm -hmm. and that is like one big hope that I have for my characters is that they can break your perception or your assumption of what this type of
0: character is supposed to look like. That was a lovely note to end on. I want to talk some more about trans joy and trans joy on stage. Yeah. Um, Because it is, I mean, the title of this podcast is Gender Euphoria and is all Mm -hmm. about trans joy and actually bringing those stories Mm -hmm. into the world in a way that's audible, because this is an audible medium. I was going to say visible, but. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) You can hear the trans joy. (laughs) But I think that is so much of trans experience and so much of, what makes us able to get through that struggle are these moments of joy. Because also trans folks are some of the funniest people I know. It's true. It's true. You have to be. <laughs> Honestly
1: though, yeah, like you really do. And like, I think, especially those that I like, have like more intersections Um, to ourselves, like like the multiple intersections in our identities that we have, it's like the funnier we can be. And like, we don't have to rely on like old styles of comedy or like things that like, you know, oh, we have to make fun of everybody. So that's why it's like, no, I'm going to make fun of myself and you're going to love it. (laughs) You know, or like, I'm going to make fun of like this entire group of people in a very, very different way um, than you've come to expect um gosh yes
0: trans comedy is ridiculous trans comedy and another thing that I really like about your show is just this trans friendship and just queer connection Mm -hmm. between people because we also don't get to hear a lot of those stories and they're also so so important Mm -hmm. yeah
1: because we you know at least in my experience what I've seen a lot you know is the is the, yeah, the token person of, like, mm-hmm. you have, like, the one queer friend, or, like, the one trans friend, or whatever, um, whereas, like, a lot of the queer people that I know, we don't have any straight friends, or <laughs> we don't have, it or we have, like, very few, like, we have, like, the one straight friend that, like, mm-hmm. we, we have, everyone has vetted, and they can come around anytime, you know, um, and so, like, that, yeah, that also was, like, important to me, it was, like, you know, the, like, this is so very true of, like, just the the queerness and the transness of the world that I live in Mm -hmm. and that I I know so many other people do so like why why wouldn't we uh, like I'm like I'm in a tea for tea relationship right now like Mm -hmm. why why should I not show a tea for tea you know um even and like one also another thing that i'm playing with like maybe inserting into the the full length is like maybe polyamory will like rear its head um somehow in this because there's also like the different ways that yeah like the, uh, like like we just queer relationships too um you know there's a lot of a talk of the the queer queer platonic relationships mm-hmm. um you know and s- some people are like isn't that just like friendship and it's like ooh like, no, it can be, like, a little bit deeper than that. Like, yeah. you may not have, like, your friend be your emergency contact, you know, but, like, your person who, like, essentially is going to be your life partner, but you may not have a sexual relationship is going to be, you know, that emergency contact, that person that who is going to be with you, you know, that you have made a commitment for the rest of your life. Or for as long as, you know, you you two want to be in that relationship. And I think that's also like another thing that that is important to me to to kind of showcase is like how deep queer and trans relationships can go when we break out of this like cis heteronormative role. Of well, this is your partner. This is your friend. This mm-hmm. is your blow, blah blah. Like very like rigid, and it's like no. Like we can we can definitely like break out of those molds, and we know we know that it happens. and We know that it, that it has existed, well before you know the the times that we we find ourselves living in. Um, so like yeah, what are what are the ways that we we can that I can showcase that and that, you know, kind of yeah shows shows the different. And the, like the, just the absolute multitudes of way
0: that love shows up, mm. varieties of queer trans love. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. So before I let you go, uh, part of the thesis of this series is trans people are everywhere, and we have always been here. Um, so would you like to give a shout out to someone who is part of your? queer, trans, artistic, family tree? Um, yes,
1: I'm gonna give a shout out. Um, oh my God, I have like a million people running through my head right now. <laughs> 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 um, I'm gonna give a shout out to um, Jesus Ayvayas. Um They are a dope uh, poet and performer, writer, um, I've collaborated with them on on several things uh, back in Austin. They're now in, you know, being a big badass uh, MFA at Brown. It's fine, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but they they are amazing and beautiful, and their writing and performance is just, gosh, I, like every time I see them perform, and every time I see them, especially like the things that they do, I just like sit both like in the multitudes of my feels um with like all the joys and the beauty and like everything that they've gone through with their life um and 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 just like the sorrows and everything but then also like the the unabashed resilience gosh i just keep coming back to beauty like it's just the beauty of them and their work um yeah, they just inspire, they absolutely inspire me every day to like like they're they're one of the reasons why I like I was like, oh, I can write. Like I do have a voice to write and mm-hmm. like we can showcase all these different things and we can have our multitude of identities celebrated um in different ways. So yeah, Jesus,
0: my friend. <laughs> Amazing. And finally, could you leave us with an image of one way that you experience gender euphoria, either in performance or everyday life? I knew this one
1: was coming and still I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna say. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think in everyday life, uh, yeah, my family, me and my me and my little T for T family that I have, because um, it's it's me and my boyfriend and we have a dog, um, and it's just, and it's like the simplicity of mm. it, um, the simplicity of our our life together is something that I never thought could be possible. Um, you know, baby trans me. Before I even knew what trans was, like never thought that this could be possible, especially at my trans elder age at thirty four. Um, <laughs> you know, um, so that is that is like the the center and root of my of my euphoria and
0: my joy right now. Fantastic! Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about the brunch crowd and trans joy and all of the expansive gender casting discussions that we can be having in the future. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you for having me. Gender Euphoria, the podcast, is hosted and edited by me, Nicholas Shannon savard The voices you heard in the opening poem were Rebecca Kling, Dylan Irwegas, Siri Gurudev, Azure D. Osborne Lee, and Joshua Vaston Cole. Gender Euphoria, the podcast, is sponsored by HowlRound Theatre Commons, a free and open platform for theatre makers worldwide.